are back in the Football Shed, your weekly podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do in a very sweaty Melbourne. Uh, my name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. G'day! And there's no Roger Gibbs still. He's still on holiday in England, um, enjoying the cold and wet, I guess. Oh, I'm envy the cold and wet. <laughs> for those no. that don't know, Australia is pretty hot right now. Yes, and burning. So burning, any- just yes. casually burning. Burning. So anyone's having problems with fires, uh, we're feeling for you. It's yeah. not good. Like the the smoke in Melbourne was was palpable today, and it only made me feel even um even more sympathy for those who are closer to the to the problems. So um yeah, stay strong, stay safe. Um, but we are back. It's been a massive Christmas break, Jeffa. It's been a long time, been a long time, been a long lonely, 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 lonely time. <laughs> and look, quite a lot's happened. <laughs> quite a lot has happened yeah. <laughs> on, a, on a personal level and on a football level. So, firstly, congratulations on your second child. Thank you. Willow has made it into the world. I had a daughter um, a week ago. Yes. Yes, sleep is uh, non-existent, and that makes my brain slow. But good. gin and tonic helps. Brilliant. Well, that's good. So you bought gin and tonic. <laughs> gin and tonic <laughs> today, John. It's good. <laughs> and I've got uh, Pop's Passion Tart Gose. So oh. basically it's Passion Pop, but in a beer form. But in a beer. Yes. Um, I've got to say, one of the plus sides to having a baby wake up every hour and a half to two hours yeah. is I'm up in I'm up at real football o'clock. <laughs> so I've like, watched a lot of football. Might be 3.30 in the morning. Doesn't matter. I'll just have a quick look. You <laughs> see, know? What's, see what's on. It's my natural wake window. So I've seen quite a lot of football recently. Well, that's because there has been a shitload of football. Yeah, perfect um, time. And so we've been away for basically three weeks. So rather than we're not going to go through every game because there's been so many games. Um, but few huge headlines have happened. Few managers have come and gone. Um, so I think we should just pick the things that we're most excited about and we'll talk about them. If we run out of time, we'll carry on on Wednesday when we record again. Agree. We could probably go for three hours. So, so yeah. it's, I think it's it's going to be important. You know, I've, I felt a bit strange recently not being able to have an opinion on <laughs> quite an incredible <laughs> amount of drama in the footballing it's world. True. So I, I've, I've made a thing is I've, I make notes, you know, in the real, I make notes ready really? for the shed. And I've looked back on my notes today. And there's notes that are useless because they're about managers that don't exist anymore <laughs> or, or, or manager searches for people who like, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible what's happened. So it's going to be great to, to go through a couple of the nuts and bolts. And before we start, I want to say one thing about the Christmas football break. I love the Christmas football <laughs> break. And I hate managers complaining about fixture congestion. Yeah. Like, I get it. You pay every two days. Oh, no. Get over it. You have huge squads. Manage your squad better. Know it's coming. Manage your games. Plan it better. Liverpool top of the league. They've won every game over this period. You can do it. Stop whinging about yeah, it. I comp- it's like a pilot whinging about jet lag. Like, you're a fucking pilot. You chose this job. You were chuffed when you got to fly yes. to LA and back every week. You can't yeah. say, oh, I'm finding yeah. it hard to adjust to the time difference. Yeah. Fuck off. Like, yeah. It's fine. And, and in reality, people work... 80-hour weeks, and then go, I really want at Christmas just to be able to sit down and watch football. So shut up. Yeah, shut up. Let them watch football. (laughs) I love it. And obviously, it doesn't happen everywhere. You know, in Germany, Mm. they have a Christmas break. Same in France, they have a Christmas break Everywhere does, apart from England. And not only do we not have a break in England, we put more football in there. No matter (laughs) what day Boxing Day falls on, there's football. New Year's Day, no matter what day. So what was it this this year? Two days apart, there were games? Yeah, within 48 hours. I love it. Absolutely (laughs) love it. (laughs) It's great. Um, right, I want to start on Arsenal. Oh, great. Okay. Um, I actually know before we start, I usually do a question. It's yeah, been a yeah, while since we've done this. Yeah, sorry. I'll do a bit of admin and a question. 
um, which might lead us on to Arsenal. We'll see. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question or tell us we're wrong about something, um, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. And of course, tell your mates um, so more people can hear us talk about football in the sweaty heat. The question this week, Jeff, mm. is the end of the decade. So everyone's been doing the top, what's happened in the last 10 years. And can, stuff. I, can I tell you that I'm sick of that already? Yeah, I'm so glad you, a decade <laughs> only happens once every 10 years because I'm sick of that. I knew you'd be sick of this, which is why I chose a question about the decade. Who has played the most games in the Premier League in the last decade? James Milner. No, he's second. Oh, God damn it. He's second by one game. Shut up. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Similar player? Uh, Jordan Henderson. Yes. Oh, yes. wow. Yeah, he's played 307 and uh, Milner's played 306. That is incredible. So their fitness records are absolutely insane. It's ridiculous. I've got a few other uh, tops of the decade. Do you want them? Uh, Most goals? Um... What? Uh, it's obvious. Think about it. Well, that makes it even worse if I don't get it right, John. Aguero. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. This one's not obvious. Most tackles. Most tackles. Um, and he played for Man City. Fernandinho. Zabaleta. Zabaleta? <laughs> yeah, Zabaleta. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. I guess he's still kicking around, isn't he? Yeah. And yeah. second, though, Lucas Laver. What? Do you remember him? For Liverpool? Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was so crap. Yes. But anyway, that was some Second decades for the of... decade? Yeah, for the w- decade. When did he leave Liverpool? Four or five years ago. Wow, that's insane. He's also, if you look in the yellow cards, he's near the top of that as well. So he's oh, brilliant. <laughs> Aguero, good on him. Um, but let's go on to Arsenal. So basically, Arsenal, when we last recorded, hadn't quite sacked Unai Emery. And now they have sacked Unai Emery. And they brought in Fred Lundberg. And now they've hired Arteta. Yes. Now, Arteta has been at Man City for the last two, three years, learning under Pep. Does that make him a good coach? Or is it just a lie that the world's telling itself that because you work with someone good, it means you're good? Okay, well, it's... Okay, it, it's, these things are polar opposite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver two polar opposite viewpoints. Yeah. Do you remember there, there, was that, um, there was that time where if you were a Barcelona youth player... You were basically worth forty million pounds. Yeah, Mina. If you were anyone, <laughs> yeah. it was like, oh, you. It was in Barcelona's academy, yeah. and he's up twenty-one. Oh, we're going to sign him. We'll pay anything. Barcelona yeah. youth player. So, you know, of course, he can't get into the Barcelona Bojan. first team squad. You know, yeah. exactly. Yeah. How many yeah. of them were like ex-Barcelona wonder kids that went everywhere because yeah. they were associated with that academy? Yeah. I worry that Arteta has the same. Um, you know, the same price tag on his head because of, of that kind of association. However, right, I followed Arteta's playing career quite closely, obviously because he was at Everton. So, so yeah. when Everton signed him, I think it was £2 million they spent. From Rangers. From Rangers. Yeah. And I remember, um, uh, conveniently enough, he was a Barcelona youth project. <laughs> he went to Barcelona's yeah. academy, then went, up, went to Rangers. Um, as a footballer, he learnt how to. He learnt his mongrel in Scotland. Yeah. Then brought that mongrel to the Premier League, and he was the most creative, the most silky player at Everton for a long time. Yeah. And when he signed for Arsenal from Everton, the I remember Arsene Wenger coming out and saying he was always an Arsenal player. 
Like yeah. He always played the way that Arsenal traditionally played. He had everything about him. He always had time on the ball. He always had space. Yeah. He was always looking 180 degrees. You know, yeah. Never looked back, but always both sides and straight forwards. He dominated midfields. He dictated the pace of the game. Uh, and obviously, he was made captain for a reason. Um, there were eyebrows raised when yeah. he was made captain at Arsenal because yeah. he was so new yeah. and people didn't think he was a leader. However, for Arsene Wenger to make this guy captain... There's something about him. Then obviously he has a relationship with Pep. He's Catalonian, which yeah. is one of the reasons why he was hired by Man City. They're, they're close yeah. anyway, same football upbringing, speak yeah. the same language, the same political views. So what he's learned under Pep has got to be good. Um, does that mean he's ready for a job like Arsenal? Yeah, see, I, I do find it funny that we kind of, clouded by the fact that he's been Pep's assistant, that he's going to be good. Like, in fact, he's just gone straight into a huge job at Arsenal with zero experience. Like, he's, the first two or three games, they've looked better, and then they've beat up Man United easily um, the other night, 2-0, mm. and they looked really good, and Ozil looks like he's starting to play, and there's a bit of belief there, and the fans are behind it. So the initial signs are good, but I still... He's been a manager for four games. Like, he hasn't got any experience. What happens when it goes wrong? What happens when he signs the wrong person? It's the same as the Frank Lampard scenario, mm. really. We just don't know. But I find it odd that we all presume, oh, he's going to be great because he's worked with Pep Guardiola, which well, is nonsense. Let's that, kind of that's, uh, put them against each other, right? So Frank Lampard was a better player than Mikel Arteta. We can all agree that. Yeah. Stats are better, better player. When you watch him, he was just he was yeah. better playing the same, a very similar role on the yeah. pitch. I mean, Frank Lampard was a number 10, really, number yeah. 8, number 10, and Arteta was a number 8. Yeah. Um, however, what Frank Lampard didn't do was what Arteta did. He didn't yeah. go off and do a uh, an internship, essentially, yeah. with one of the best coaches in the world. Frank Lampard went to be a manager, did it for a year and then got a job that was way too big for his level of experience. <laughs> yeah. um, Arteta did a bit of an internship and has now got a job that's way too big for his level of experience. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing that the common consensus is that it's a coup. It's yeah. like, this is amazing for Arsenal. Look what they've got. Like, there must be some. Arsenal must have sold Arteta the project for him to leave because, the, you know, the thought was that he would be next in line for the Man City role. Like, he was being prepped for that job. Again, would he have got it? No, I don't think he would have. I don't think a club like Man City would do that. I think that's more likely because Man City have built this kind of structure where they got the um, heads of football from Barcelona in who know Pep and they've created everyone in the youth teams play the same way as Pep wants them to play and they've built this club up from the bottom so that they're ready to just convey about it. And then you would go, Pep's, I think Pep won't, will leave quite soon and it would be perfect if Arteta just came in and went, yeah, slot in, carry on. And um, so I think he was lined up for that job, but he must have. He's not going to take the Arsenal job unless he thinks he can get that job. You would wait. Yeah. You? You'd rather be Man City manager for the next five years than Arsenal manager. Well, here's a th here's, you know, I want him to do well because I have an affinity. Yeah. I like him. I think he's smart. I've always respected his um. His, his vision of, of the game. However, as a manager, I have to tarnish him with the same brush I do Frank Lampard, which is you've had four games in charge. Yeah. That, that's not 
good enough, it's not experienced enough when push comes to shove. Yes, you might have a coaching methodology, which is new and modern and exciting and, and is what Arsenal need, but there's in-game management that requires a level of experience which he just doesn't have. And they, they beat May United 2-0 the other night, um, and easily. Um, May United were awful, Arsenal were good. Um, there has been talk of whether Arteta has done more at Arsenal in his two or three games than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done in the last two a year that he's been at Man United, um, which is crazy because when Oli came in, he won the first eight games or whatever, and everyone yeah. went, "Oh, he's a genius!" It's so funny how these things these things are. But one thing that worries me, you know, he's learned from Pep, but because of that, he's got some of Pep's problems. So the game against Chelsea, when Chelsea won two once, so Arsenal yeah. were one 0 up, and it was in the last ten minutes, whatever Chelsea scored two yeah. goals. Arteta didn't make a sub until the seventy fifth minute. Yeah. That is a very pep thing to do. Yeah. You know, just keep going with just, the system. Just keep going. We've got a, we've got a plan. We've got a plan. We've got yeah. a plan. Which which worries me. Um, I'm not sure. And this is a bit more. This is a bit broader in football. I think if you're a disciple of the pep methodology, I don't think you're the future of football. Yeah. So I think yeah. that um, you know we. It's cyclical. It exactly. Right. We talk about these cycles yeah. in in the way football is played. Yeah. Now Man City are on a. a they're in a slump. what are they third in the league it's not that bad of a slump they're one point off second Uh, however that type of football is not invincible anymore because teams are setting up against Man City in a way that makes Man City have to change the way that they play Mm. which means that the type of football Man City play that they have been exceptional at has now been strategized against which means that if you are learning to be as good as Pep by the time you are as good as Pep let's say it takes not as good as Pep, you know what I mean? But yeah. let's say it takes Arteta a couple of years to really kind of get the players in, get the coaching methodology to a point where these players know to a T, like, this football is what we're doing. will have yeah. passed that being a winning plan. Yeah. So you have to not be a disciple, you have to be a front runner to, change, to be successful in football. And you can fail at that. So we've looked at someone like Silva, right? We, we followed his career from being a front runner, going, remember when he yeah. first came to the Premier League? Oh, going, yeah. oh my God, he's trying new things. He's young, exciting. Yeah. We've seen front runners fail, but they still try and be themselves. You know, they're still stubborn. And we look at that and we go, well, why didn't Silva change his tactics? However, the, if you are a disciple and a follower, football will have changed by the time you perfect that type of football. And I think that right now if Arsenal played the way Man City were playing they'd be chuffed to bits but if that happened in two years time football's gone past that do you, but also do you think Arteta having worked so closely with Pep would have seen these are the mistakes Pep's made in those scenarios he's not demonstrated it so far in that he's not made substitutions to the 75th minute or whatever but if he's going to be a really good coach he would have learned from those mistakes and gone Pep has one way. We need at least two ways of doing this and we need different styles of getting out of this scenario. Com- completely agree with you, John, but is Arsenal the place where he's going to learn that? No, and he's probably not going to be given time to do it. That's exactly right. I'd argue that he all he knows how to do is perfect the way that he's been shown is perfection. And because of that, he won't be... How can you learn on the job a plan B with a club like Arsenal? That's true. And so yeah. I, met a, I met a bloke in the park the other day. I was like, taking my kids to the park. <laughs> met a bloke in the park as an Arsenal fan on oh, Christmas yeah. Day or whatever. Um, and I was talking to him about the podcast. You know, it's yeah. nice to do a bit yeah. of marketing yeah. on, when, you're, when you're drunk at Christmas. And he's an Arsenal fan. And I was like, oh, so what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts? And he said, you know what sums it up? The first headline he saw after Arsenal start after Arteta started at Arsenal was um, Arteta's transfer plans um, 
got his sights on a new striker and new midfielder. <laughs> and he just looked at me with this look in his face, just like, are, you, defenders. are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> this is absolute madness. Yeah. So the problem is not... The problem... I'm not going to say the problem wasn't Emery, it was... Yeah. But at Arsenal, there are some fundamental issues that they need to resolve that are bigger than Arteta. Will Arteta be given the reins to um, to change the the whole structure of that club so that it's set up not to um, not to fall into those pitfalls? I say no because the worst um, the worst type of model you can have as a football club is when the manager starts dictating a director of football. That's what went wrong with with West, West Ham. Ham. Yeah. So so when if Arteta comes in and goes, okay, we need a director of football, we need a long-term strategy, the problem is Arteta will be driving that strategy and what's happening underneath that strategy, which will be the club changing, will be Arteta's responsibility, which is the horse leading the car. Yeah. So the club needs to change before Arteta has the ability to learn. Definitely. Um, And they've also just lost, um, what's his name, Callum Chambers, Mm. uh, centre-back. He's out for nine months. He's done his cruise shit. Um, So they're another defender down. They have to buy a defender. You can't just go and spend a hundred million on another striker. It's crazy, and I don't want to be all doom and gloom because I start at the beginning. I want him to succeed, and I have seen in the last three games that they have showed something that they didn't show for the last year. Yep. They really have, and not just that the crowd are getting behind them. Like they're they're being riled up. There's, there's... but do you think on that though? I and to go a little bit onto West Ham, West Ham. Sacked Pellegrini and hired David Moyes, the most uninspiring... He's a winner, John. That's what he does. He wins. <laughs> I win. His quotes in his press conference is, I've got a better win percentage than some people. And some other managers. <laughs> like, of, course you, of course you do, you clown. <laughs> yeah. And I win. But then he comes in and they beat Bournemouth 4-0. And you suddenly go, oh, hang on. And then when Ollie came in at Man United... And they win a few games. But is it actually just the players are really fickle? So the, Arteta's coming at Arsenal and the players are coming and going, oh God, yeah, I'm so bored of Unai Emery. I'm really glad there's someone else. And he's saying something different. This is great. They do it for six to eight weeks and then go, oh, it's a bit hard, isn't it? This Like, how do you keep that? And that's what a clock does that's amazing is he keeps that enthusiasm. Brendan Rodgers is doing it and keeps it going and keeps it fresh. Um, and there's you get this new manager. I don't like calling it a new manager bounce, but it's kind of a change of voice um, that makes these players that are really, really good just go, oh, I'm going to try for three weeks. And then they just fade off again. And I can see West Ham winning two or three games and then it all just going wrong again. Well, you have to be... This sounds really, really simple. I don't mean to like dumb it down. You have to be as good a manager as your players are players. mm does that, does that mm. make sense? So yeah. there was this. Um, I don't want to move off Arsenal too quickly, yeah, but you, you've mentioned about West Ham. You know, um, there's this story about where it all fell apart with Pellegrini, yeah. where they went in for a training session and he set up an eleven versus eleven. Have yeah. you heard this? No, no. Set up an eleven versus eleven and um, trying to play. One of the teams trying to play the tactics of the opposition, and one of the teams trying to play West Ham's tactics. Yeah. And halfway through the game, Mark Noble picked up the ball and started yelling at Pellegrini and yelling at the players going, this is why we're losing, we're too open, this doesn't work, we're literally losing against ourselves playing their tactics and we're not changing. (laughs) Basically just gave it to Pellegrini. Wow. Now, that is a huge problem because, because what that does is say that the player 
is better at football than the manager is at managing. Yes. Because he can see, he he can see the, the scenario. Yes. Exactly right. Yeah. So Mark Noble's going to make a good manager. I think he'll be an outstanding yeah. manager. I think was it it was probably too early for, to give him the West Ham job, but the, but then what are we what yeah. I did um we gave Duncan Ferguson the Everton job for a few weeks. So we get Freddie Jumberg. Yeah, I know that Mark Noble's still playing, but come on, that bloke is he bleeds West Ham. And if you yeah. look at what Duncan Ferguson did at Everton for those four games, he inspired because he bled for that yeah. club. And you know, Mark Noble's probably better on the pitch than he is on the sideline, but if, if they're not queuing him up for that kind of gig at that club, then they're missing the trick. Um but anyway, I guess I guess back to my point. So someone like Frank Lampard, he can he's got credit, right? He goes, but he goes to Chelsea, and everyone they knows who he is. Yeah. All of the staff know who he is, and all the players look at the way the staff is, look at the way that are with him, yeah. look at the way the youth teams are with him. He's a legend there. But you soon realise whether he's actually a good manager or not, and he needs to be as good a manager as he is a footballer. And there is, he was a world class top ten footballer. Is he a world class top ten manager? No way. No. Which means he's not. So yeah. if you're a world class top ten footballer, or at least think you are and you're taking orders from a not-top-ten manager, then, of course, you get disinterested after six weeks. You've tried to impress them, you've seen their response, and you go, mm, we'll wait for the yeah. next bloke. Yeah. There's a, a Troy Deeney. Sorry, I'm going to go all over the place. Troy Deeney had played, four, until last week, he played four, four home games. The last four home games he played were under different managers. Four wow. different managers, four different home games. Now, if you're Troy Deeney, why do you give a shit what a manager tells you? Yeah. You know Watford. You've been at Watford for yeah. so long... Yeah. You know the way you win football games. You've got experience winning football games. You've got more experience playing with those players and the managers are just teaching you. And this guy, these people are going to come and go. Why bother? Yeah, well, it's a really good point because managers do last less long than players. Players come in on four or five year contracts. Managers never last four or five years. And that creates a culture of the players protecting their role, protecting their contract, protecting their scenario. And so if the manager's doing something they don't believe in, they just stop. And then new person comes in, they go, try for a bit. Oh, I've lost interest in this. Well, my contract runs for another three years. Yours is only another 18 months. Don't really care. Yeah. I'll be fine. And you have to really see the fruits of a new idea to bother. And look, John, you and I both, we've not been first-class players. Well, <laughs> we were pretty good. <laughs> no, we've not. So I don't know yes. what it's like no, you don't. to... Fall out of love with the manager in a yeah. dressing room, and you know when you listen to top quality footballers talk about it, yeah. they'll say no that no they've never been in a dressing room that downs tools. That's, the, that's never happened. Never just happened. a lie. But there is it's that subconscious percentile that goes. Actually, this this is a sinking ship right here. Yeah, I'm gonna outlast this bloke. I need to look good, and as soon yeah. as that becomes then a personal thing, yeah, and it doesn't become a team thing, and you as I say you have to see the fruits of that labour. I remember an interview with uh, Seamus Coleman after Martinez became the manager. And Martinez played, uh, for those who don't know, he's very keen on his attacking fullbacks. Yeah. He wants fullbacks to be in the box. And he doesn't mind them doing it at the same time. If you watch Belgium play at the moment, their fullbacks can be in the box passing to each other. And I remember hearing this interview with Seamus Coleman saying that Martinez sat him down, showed him a video and said, I don't want you standing here, I want you standing here. And in the next game, Seamus Coleman scored a goal that was a cross by Leighton Baines in the box yeah. to Seamus Coleman, who was in the box, who scored. And he said he left going, I wasn't sure what to think of that, yeah. but holy shit, look, look, what, look yeah. what just happened with yeah. both fullbacks. That had to happen to have players buy into that new methodology. Yeah, and I, I think that's it. You've got to, the players have got to get involved and believe in it 
and then keep believing on it. And when we move on from Arsenal to Man United, because Arsenal beat Man United the other night, and maybe Man United are at a point where I'm not sure if the players do believe in what Oli's doing. And I think you almost have a split dressing room where you have some players who go, yeah, I'm completely behind Oli. Um, I completely believe in what he's doing. And then you have the Pogbas of this world, the De Gea's, the Matic's of this world, who are just going, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And we've been around and we know we've worked under bigger and better managers and he doesn't know what he's doing. And Man United have been so inconsistent this um, Christmas break. They've, beat some, they've played really well. They've beaten some good teams. They've lost to bad teams and all up and down. You don't know what you're going to get apart from if the other team attacks, we'll counterattack. Why would you believe in it? So... Ollie's, uh let me go through some win percentages of Manchester United managers, right? Yeah. So Alex Ferguson had a 59% win percentage. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Jose Mourinho, a 58% win percentage. Yeah. Uh, David Moyes, 52. He's a winner. Yeah. I win games. <laughs> I win 52.9% of my games. Ollie, 27. Yeah, it's bad. Why would you buy into that? I'll tell you, the, the players who do buy into that, which are the reason why he's got the credit in the bank, are young players. And they're buying into it for two different reasons. Number one, they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're getting a game. Yeah. Because if you're a Dan James coming from Swansea into Man United and you suddenly go and played at Man United every week, you're like, yeah, I'll do whatever this guy tells me. He's, he's all you remember watching him on, yeah. on the telly, you know, you know, and he's getting a game. He's getting a game and he's only played under so many managers. As far as he's concerned, Ollie's the best manager he's ever had. But- so Ollie's great with 21-year-olds. But then on that point, if he was great with 21-year-olds... And Man United want to go down that route of um, bedding young players and signing the best young players in the world and getting them to come through and be brilliant stars and Man United make them good. Makes sense to me. If you're going to do that, get rid of the Pogba's of the world and sign people like Erling Haaland. Erling Haaland this week has gone to Dortmund because Man United refused to pay the £10 million um, agent fee to Mina Riola. And... When you're Man United and Haaland could be the best striker in the world for the next 10 years, his buyout clause is 22 million. So you've got to pay 32 million because you've got to pay... Just pay 32 million. And you get rid of Pogba in January and that's off your wage bill. And Just pay the money. That, for me, is why this current Man United structure is not going to work. Because if you're going for best young players... That guy was available, has worked with Oli Solskjaer before in, at Mulder, knows him, is brilliant. He's 19. We need a striker. Mm. He's a focal point. Throw everything at him. Just get him in the club. But, and it, it, for me, it makes no sense. And what, what will happen? He'll play at Dortmund, do brilliant. We'll buy him for $100 million yeah, in three years' exactly time. exactly what will happen. And yeah. you're just like... And pay why? the $10 million, you'll have the same agent. Yeah, exactly. We pay fifteen million for. But then here's here's my problem, right? So the two, the, so the reason why I'll go back. The reason why young players like you know he's good with young players. So we say yeah. is because they're either, they're getting a game or they don't know any better. So if you fill that bloke's team with young players, the fact that they don't know any better doesn't mean there isn't better. Yeah, there are a lot better. So he can take them as far as their individual talent can take them. Yeah, he can't turn them into a an all dominating team because. Mm. 
just because, as I say, just because they don't know any better doesn't mean there isn't better. Yeah. So yes, they're engaged. Yes, they're they're playing his tactics. But are they good enough? No. Twenty nine percent win percentage. That bloke should be on borrowed time. But it feels like there's an acceptance that that. He's got the job. Ollie's at the wheel. We're yep. going to back him because we need to back someone because we made stupid mistakes in the past. The, you know, the feel feels better than it did when Mourinho was there. Yeah, it might feel better, but Man United are struggling. And I, I think the league is kind to us because we're fifth um, and only five points off fourth, which on paper is okay. And I change week to week whether it's going well or badly because we're so inconsistent as a team. But I think the Haaland thing really bothered me because I think that's something where if you're going, if you've got intent to go, yeah, we're going to get young guys in, and even if they only have them for two or three years, and you create a kind of Dortmund model where Dortmund buy these 17, 18 year olds, the Pulisic's, the Sancho's, the Haaland's of this world, and go, yeah, we'll play you every week. They do brilliantly. We sell them for 100 mil and we buy another three. One works, two doesn't, doesn't matter. And you just keep that going. And Man United can do that. And if they make progress, then you suddenly get into the top four every year and you suddenly, these players become better and it works. It's, it's What you've just described is a lower tier than, Man, than the opinion Manchester United have of themselves. But they're, with the manager they have and the way the manager's playing, they're playing in a Dortmund realm. So stick to it. Do it properly. Yeah. Don't, don't go out there and go, oh, panic, we didn't get Haaland. Will buy Zlatan at thirty nine years old or whatever. It- yeah, you're you're exactly right. And the the big names, you know, the the foul cows that have come through the doors, in and out. Yeah, they're the opposite to what a team that rebuilds need to be doing. Yeah. So it's 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 hard to watch, even though I like watching the failure of Manchester United because it's just a bit of balance in my life. Yeah. It's it's hard to see there be no action that like the inaction of the club and the and the the inaction on the pitch. It's hard to see. It's hard to see that just just trundle forwards without anyone taking any any direction there. I've also written on, sh- on the running order a shopping list of main players that main United should buy. Calvert Lewin, DCL, John. Uh, not Calvert Lewin's not on my shopping <laughs> list. Jack Grealish, Declan Rice, Decore from Watford, and Dunk from Brighton. I think if you bought those four players, you suddenly your team gets much better. Okay, let's let's just have a chat about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Firstly. Jack Grealish is very good. Brilliant. Like, I remember it was only a couple of months ago that I said I've not watched him enough to, to yeah, like, just well, hear everyone say he was really good. And, I, and I, I saw him have a good game. I'm like, okay, I've seen the Jack Grealish that everyone bangs on about. And I put him as the surprise player of the year. And yeah. you both were like, nah. Actually, that kid is very, very good. I have a, a really bad feeling that he is going to join the twat club. I feel <laughs> like... Um, <laughs> like he, sorry, he has this, this. He oozes this kind of arrogance about it. Like he's he's always been the big kid in the, in the yep. small school, and I feel like he could be a bit of a twat. Oh, he's de- and he's definitely had misdemeanors in the past. Like when he first got into the Villa team, there was photos of him passed out drunk in Ibiza in the summer after playing and stuff. But he's since he's been made captain, he's only 23 now, but he's matured a lot. Yeah, he's okay. become a decent human. And there was a whole incident at Aston Villa last year. They played Birmingham. Oh, and maybe a, he got punched. Yeah, yeah and a yeah. fan ran in and punched him. And he didn't react at all. He just went, he just laughed him off. You're right. And if that was James Madison, he'd be like yes, having yeah. a cuddle on the floor. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think he's matured a lot. And I think Jack Grealish is genuinely... A very, very good player. Okay. Uh, oh, we've talked a lot on the shed about Rice. Um, Decore. Yep. Can you tell me whether Decore is good or not? 
I think he's brilliant. He's inconsistent, um, and he's been playing badly for the first few months of the season, but has got better since um, Pearson's come in at Watford. And last year, he was amazing. And he's he's a Pogba without the passing ability. Um, he, he's more of a Vieira, but he's number yeah, eight. Okay. He's up and down. He can score a goal. He wins the ball. He drives the team forward. Um, and I think he's one of the most... Uh, he's one of those players, if you put him in a better team, he'll play just as well for that team. He's He's got all the attributes... And he's so. Why doesn't he do it every week? Um, I think he gets bored. Like, I think he's too good. Too good. So that's the problem with Watford. They're full of players who think they're too good to play for Watford. Yeah, but I think if you get Decore's brain right and you get him in the right team, and Man United are desperate for midfielders. Like I wrote, if you put Grealish, Rice, and Decore as the options in midfield, what they're going up against is Jesse Lingard, McTominay, Fred. Like we're not. They're not better yeah. than them, are they? Lingard's the worst. Lingard's having a nightmare. Yeah. I did hear on the radio today that um, someone said that I don't think Jesse Lingard should even play in the Premier League. Like, yeah, it's true. He's that bad. <laughs> yeah. really is that bad. Um, uh, so, I mean, going moving on to Watford. So Watford's... Uh, because we're talking about decor. Yeah, sure. So they obviously sacked Flores after three months. We were here talking about that, but we we, we did our last shed prior to Nigel Pearson. Yes. Now, um, the, correct me if I'm wrong, Nigel Pearson was just managing in Belgium? Yes. Was so it? he was, he had been, I think he wasn't, I think he'd been fired or whatever, but the people that own Leicester City mm. own a club in this Belgian second division and he was working for them. Wow. So he was manager of them. So he still gets on well with the owners of Leicester after they left. Because uh, they got rid of him after he kept them up. When they basically, this whole story, Nigel Pearson's at Leicester, gets them promoted. Then they're really struggling. Then does an amazing save and just gets them up. First team ever to be bottom of the league at Christmas and stay up in the Premier League. Second. West Brom did it. Okay, second. Uh, <laughs> um, which is amazing. Amazing feat. That year where, that Tevez and Maserano were at. Oh, the, that's right, yes. Um, and then they sacked Pearson because his son was involved in a weird sex incident <laughs> <laughs> in Thailand with a couple of other youth team players. And oh, they yeah. broke, broke a couple of rules and they were like, no, nah, we're firing him. And he went, I'm his dad, so I'm going too. Yeah. So they went, cool, done. And then they brought in Ranieri and then, went and won the league, yeah. which no one saw happen. Pearson has been manager of Derby since um, and been around a little bit. But yeah, been managing in Belgium. So he still gets on well with the owners of the club. Um, but the Watford job came up and Pearson's come out and said, I wasn't looking for a job. I was kind of semi-retired and enjoying doing a bit here and there. Um, and has come in and done really well. They well, won 10 points out of 12 over the Christmas period, which is crazy. And Troy Deeney came out um, last week and said he's the first manager he's had in 10 years that's treated him like a man. Mm. Like, that's... It, it's yeah. the opposite of what Watford usually do. He's not a, a coach, he's a man-manager. Yeah. Uh, that does him an injustice. Of course he's a coach, don't get me wrong. He's, oh, he's, no, he's but he amazing gets them motivated. And- but he's a, he's a traditional... Yeah. Um, He's a Chris Wilder type yeah. manager. Yeah. Um, and did you see he's got his assistant manager is Craig Shakespeare, who was really? at, yes, yeah, who was with him at Leicester. Very interesting. Okay. Um, I think it's a great appointment. I was surprised to see it. I, I thought because of the way it ended at Leicester, I'm not sure he was going to get another job in the Premier League. 
But there's no reason why a man without football pedigree, and I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because we talk about the the old white the dinosaurs. Old white. Yeah, yeah. However, I think that his last go was a success. It was something that was non-football related yeah. that got him the sack. And obviously, you shouldn't go to Thailand and have some bizarre sex romp with your kid. His son, who was overage. Okay. <laughs> there was no children involved in this story. Okay. <laughs> Still his kid. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. not a kid. You've yeah. grown up, kid. Yeah. We'll call yeah. it your grown up, kid. But you probably shouldn't do that. I understand you getting sacked from your job for doing yes. that. But it's probably for footballing reasons. It's good that he's in charge of a football team again. And obviously, I've, oh, there's no one who could have predicted Watford coming back like that. No, it's considering Watford are now two points from safety, and I wrote them off, especially when they brought in Sanchez Flores. He thought there's not going to be anything that happens there. They've, yeah, like you said, Deeney's enjoying it, and Fat Jerry's scoring goals. As soon as you get Fat, there's enough talent in that Watford squad. If you get them playing, they should finish 10th. There's no reason why they're not a good footballing side. And last year they did it. It, it, well, pardon me. There is a reason they're inconsistent. The players that are really good yeah. are really inconsistent. Fat it's Jerry of, yeah. is exceptional, and he should be a better team than Watford. Apart from every other week where he's not exceptional and he shouldn't. Yes, and that, that's his problem. And you would argue that's the same with Decore. Um, let's not move on to another team that have changed manager. I think we've almost gone through them all. But lastly, it's Everton, Jeff. What no. the fuck happened there? So. When we last recorded, Marco Silva had been sacked, but Duncan Ferguson was doing his big emotional, take his jacket off when it's raining and look at me, I'm hard. Yeah. I can cope with the rain. And then you hired the one of only two managers who've won the Champions League three times, um, Carlo Ancelotti. Do you remember the last thing I said on Last Shed was, just as a side story, do you know that if Ancelotti loses this game at Napoli, they can sack him? You know, because he doesn't get to the Champions League group. So at the very end, it's like, ooh, interesting. And he won it. He won it, and they sacked him anyway. No way did I expect the next three weeks to pan out how they did. Absolutely not. David Moyes was basically in the door. Yeah. Um, I don't understand... What's happening they right now? They've got to pay him a shitload. He's the second best paid manager in the Premier League after Klopp. Wowzers. Um, oh, no. Pep. Sorry, Pep. Yeah. Um, equivalent to Klopp. I think that it's... Um, it's, it's fucking crazy. Uh, they must have promised him a lot. So he's bought into this project. One of the um, So obviously he's had a lot of interviews since he started. He, it, there is a generation of people, uh, his generation, that still remember Everton being better than they are now. Yeah. When he was a player, Everton were the best team in England. Yeah. And he remembers going up against them and seeing them win the first division as we yeah. back then. You know, so he still first hand remembers Everton winning the league, winning FA Cups, winning the European Cup, being in, in you know, he remembers that. He remembers seeing that. So as far as he's concerned, it's a sleeping giant project. So you walk in, you have an interview, you go, okay, well I remember this club. Why what's wrong now? And they go, well actually we've got this new stadium that's coming in two years, three years. Yeah. We've spent all of this money, but we actually need someone else to keep spending our money, please, because yeah. this is what we want to do. And sort out the team. Yeah, well so you look at through the squad and they're all international players. Yeah. You know, there is no reason why the World Cup winning French left back, French right back. The Richarlison who just won the Copa America with, with Brazil. They started yeah. centre forward in most of those. Back. There's no reason why they shouldn't be playing better than they're playing. Apart from, are they coached well? Are they managed well? Are the, is the tactics well enough? Can you do that job? We'll pay you lots of money for it. You, you're out of work. Great. I. However, what, if you're an Everton fan, the thing that should excite you is you don't go into that job going, 
okay, here's your squad, make it better. You go into that job going, okay, I'll do it, but I'm going to need the checkbook. Yeah. Because if you're Ancelotti, you're not going to just be stuck with what you're stuck with or else you wouldn't take the job. It's not like you're, you're, that's the pinnacle. Is there talk of who he's looking for in January? Like, are they going to spend money in oh, January? Oh, it's chaos. The rumours are chaos. Yeah. It, basically, any pl- any player who's ever played for Ancelotti is, <laughs> is going round, the merry-go-round. Um, Herring Lozano. Oh, yeah, he's good. He's really good. He was is, a, it, um, is he at Napoli? He's, a, he's at Napoli and he was with Marcel Brands at... PSV. At PSV. Yes. Um, but there's... The like you're looking good. at any player who's ever played with Ancelotti, he's yeah. basically has a relationship with. But then I think if you look at the Everton squad, as you're saying, there's a there's a decent squad of there of international players that have a few too many players in certain positions and not enough midfielders that stay fit. Mm. Um I think for Moise Ken, Ancelotti coming is the greatest thing of all time. Because in Italy, Moise Ken is the equivalent of, I don't know, a Rashford or whatever. He's yeah. the young gun that's going to be great for Italy. And everyone in Italy thinks he's going to be the next great thing. And so Angelotti's Italian and will know that. And he'll understand the culture change and getting used to living in the UK and do yeah. all that. And he'll get him on side. I think you're going to see a much different Moise Ken in the second half of the season to the first. And he started him. Uh, yeah. He came out and said he wanted to sign him at... Napoli, but he chose Everton. Yeah. So this, this is a. So the more you put context to this decision for Ancelotti, the more it's not as out of left field as it first mm. seems. However, if you're an Everton fan right now, be very excited. Not just because you have a, a premium manager, one of the top ten managers in the world, but because what you would have had to have done as a club to convince him to come to Everton means that the next two years are going to be very exciting. Um, and also, you're now sat in eleventh. Um, so you were just a point or two off the relegation when, in relegation zone when Silver left, and you're only six points off fifth. And suddenly you go, oh, that's quite close. And you win a few in a row. You've just played over the Christmas period. Everton drew nil nil with Arsenal, which is okay. Um, beat Burnley, beat Newcastle, and then you lose to Man City, which so drew, drew against United as well. Drew one all against United away at Old Trafford. Yes, and so you suddenly go. That's pretty good. That's standard what you want. And that's what you expect from Everton. Drew against Leicester in the Cup. Um, they've got some. They've obviously had the worst run of fixtures in December. So there's some easy games coming up. Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored 5-5. Five and five. So we have to have the Dominic Calvert-Lewin conversation. So for everyone at home, on WhatsApp, when myself, Rog and Jeff chat, Rog was going on about Raul Jimenez, who plays for Wolves and saying he's underrated and how good he is. And I said, I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is better than Raul Jimenez, but I also think they're both shit. <laughs> <laughs> this has turned into Jeff thinking Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the best player in the world. Well, but he's he has done very well in the last few weeks, but I would if I was Wolves, I'd rather have Calvert-Lewin up front than Jimenez. Tell me why. Uh, I think partly because he's, he's a lot younger. He offers a lot more kind of creatively. He brings people into the game. He's better in the air. The only thing that Jimenez has over him right now is finishing, and Calvert-Lewin's finishing is improving. It is improving. The, I remember we've spoken before about the Calvert-Lewin has everything you could possibly want from a footballer apart from being able to score goals, and he plays centre-forward. Yeah. That is so infuriating, you know, because it was always that the last touch, the shot was always just pathetic. However, his link-up play was excellent. He was great in the air. He was strong. He's athletic. Like, he's got every attribute you can possibly have apart from he was a crap finisher. If you think about Harry Kane, Harry Kane never really scored goals until he was 22, 23. 
he came. He, he was a long time playing for Leicester on loan, Norwich on loan, mm. Ipswich on loan, and not really getting a game, and then coming on not scoring a goal. And what he did is he worked really hard at his finishing, and he just got better and better at it. If I don't know what Calvert Lewin's doing in his own time, but if he's doing that, and if he is working hard at it, and it looks like he's improving, and it looks like Ancelotti has faith in him, then he's becoming a better player. Ancelotti said he wanted to sign him. He's going to say. He's going to say that about every Everton player. <laughs> but he said, he said he wanted to sign him, he's, and, he, and he said his only problem, his only problem with him. By the way, Ancelotti loves him because he's the only one he scored a goal. Apart from Charleston last week, or yeah. the most, he's the only one that scored goals for him. Yeah, um, he loves him. Uh, he just says the only thing he needs to do is be more selfish. Uh, we've talked about his link-up play and what he offers to the team. That's exclusively his game. Mm. Actually, he needs to stay in the middle. And if he stays in the middle, who knows what will happen? And the, I think you know, if Roger was here, he would highlight that three of those five goals have been incredibly scrappy. Yeah. However, you don't score scrappy goals unless you're in the middle waiting for You've got to be in the right place. And yeah. you, know, you can counter out that with a diving header from, from 15 yards, yeah. which was a pretty good finish in a game that Everton won 1-0. So I do think that it's interesting. The fact that he's now on United's radar for 50 million, I think is a joke. Oh, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> That's absolutely if, crazy. If Man United buy Dominic Cavalier for 50 million, but won't spend 35 on Her- <laughs> Erling Haaland, I'm going to stab myself in the eye with this pen I have in my hand. <laughs> I would love that. And um, we've touched on um, West Ham, but I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about where you think this is going to go. Okay, so David Moyes took over from Pellegrini and they I instantly thought it was going to go wrong and then they beat Bournemouth 4-0. But to, to his credit, he didn't take credit for that. No. He said, all I did is have a meeting with them. I don't, you know, and it's not my fault that we won. On another point, if we get time to it, I want to talk about Bournemouth because they're a basket case and they're awful, um, which I enjoy. Um Oh, West is Moyes going to do well at West Ham? The thing that I enjoyed about the game against Bournemouth, they just played four four two and just went keep it simple, do simple things. I think they'll stay up fine, and I think they'll get to twelfth, thirteenth. The problem will come halfway through next season when they're twelfth or thirteenth and they're playing really boring football. Like it, it's it's Jose Mourinho going to Spurs. It's the same scenario. You know the process of what's going to happen. Spurs are going to do okay for a bit, although it looks like it's going bit already. Um, probably win a trophy. And then in about 18 months, two years, Jose's going to hate everyone and going to leave. Moyes will keep them up. They'll do okay next year. They'll be mid-table. Everyone will get really bored. The Philippe Andersons of this world, the Yarmolenkos of this world will suddenly go... I'm really bored of tracking back. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I just I just don't care about having a really rigid 4-4-2 against Four, Burnley. 4-6-0. That's what yeah, I used to do. Yeah. yeah, against Burnley away. Like, I don't want to do this. They'll lose interest. He'll go. So, by Christmas next year, he'll be gone, but they'll be 12. Interesting, so. interesting, interesting. Um, I think that they will give him more time than that. Yeah, okay. Because just like it's akin to Oli being given time at yeah. Man United, the fact that they've gone back on themselves—it's a very odd thing to go back and go. Because they said you're not good enough for us. See, like, or they said we want to go to a different footballing direction. Yeah. You're like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe we should have just just stuck with what we yeah. had because it was safe. Um, I think they very much are scared that they were going to go down. I think mm. David Moyes is a he's a firefighter. He, is he? Oh, I don't know. Fuck, it's hard to know what type of manager he is, apart from incredibly pragmatic. Uh, Everton, he obviously was there for 11 years or whatever it was. 11 years? Some of that. 10 years, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the 
the way he played was to to counter the opposition. He never actually had a style. Yeah. All he did was set his team up to beat the team that were that he was against which which is the complete opposite to modern football at the moment you're you're not anyone if you haven't got a fucking modern methodology you know if you're not you know for some some way breaking the mold and doing something you know overlapping fullbacks or tiki tacker or yeah. if you're not the future of football you're not a manager so this that's the modern train yeah, of thought yeah. whereas actually david moyes isn't a of the future of football he doesn't have a methodology all he does is work out statistically how to beat the team they're playing next week how to take the wind out of their sail and, and nick it yep. now he does that incredibly well but then that's fine for a period but when West Ham is full of prima donna players yeah then they're going to get bored of that. You need someone to inspire those people and get them working hard without them realising they're working there's, hard. There's almost, and this is a sweeping statement, but there's too much money in the British game to have that be okay anymore. Yes. When when you were at Everton and they didn't sign a player for two and a half years. Yeah. You know, we all talk about Spurs not doing it. Yeah. Everton did it for longer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when that's the case and you're still picking up results, everyone has massive respect for you as a, as a leader and as a coach and a manager. But right now, when essentially everyone has an open checkbook, that's not going to fly. No, and it gets was is like I said, you get to twelfth and do nothing, stagnate. Everyone hates it. Um, can we please uh, talk about Southampton before you go on Southampton? Though I want to just check on Bournemouth because they did lose four 0 to West Ham. Bournemouth have lost eight out of their last ten games. They're in the relegation zone. I think I haven't got predictions in front of me, but I think I put them to go down because I put them to go down every year because I can't <laughs> stand Eddie Howe. Um. And I think he's massively overrated. But they are playing the worst football at the moment. It's, they, not, it's not just the 8 out of 10. They, they've, they've only scored two goals in the last eight. Yeah. And uh, Callum Wilson stopped scoring. Josh King stopped scoring. Dominic Solanke, who they signed for 18 million for um, Liverpool. Who you loved, by the way, John. I'm who, just gonna, no, yeah, uh, no, I'm, I was going to yeah. caveat that by going, I still think there's a player in there. <laughs> and I think he's very good. Um, and he's just had the worst luck his career trajectory could be very different he's 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 basically the one generation above the Chelsea generation that's coming through now so the Lewis Bakers of this world the Ruben Loftus Cheeks of this world if he just had more game time they would have been okay those three should all be starting for England right now yeah and are better than a lot of players. But because of the way Chelsea was at that time five years ago, it's ruined their whole career. Agree. Um, Solanke scored one goal in 61 senior appearances. No. 61 senior appearances, one goal, and he's a striker. And that was for Liverpool? I don't even know. I think so. I remember him scoring a goal yeah. for Liverpool, just the one goal for Liverpool. Yeah. But um, that's... And he, uh, in that game against... West Ham last night when they were 4-0 down he had a header from a two yards out oh. and he hit the post and you just and part of me my heart broke through I was just like oh come on just go in yeah. the net uh, I agree they're fucked um, do you think they should sack the bloke? Um, no and they won't but I think they should just go down and rot in their own little south coast way. Well, that's kind. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it a kind thing to say? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but they did beat Spurs, though, didn't they? 1-0. Uh, no, Bournemouth beat oh, Chelsea. Sorry. That was Southampton that beat Spurs. Bournemouth beat Chelsea. Yes. Southampton beat Spurs. Yes. So a great time to talk about Southampton and Spurs. Yes. So yeah, Southampton have had 
also won 10 points from 12 over the four games over it's Christmas. incredible. Um, and having lost 9-0 to Leicester earlier in the season, they have turned it around. And is Danny Ings the best striker in the league at the moment? No. But on form? No. He's been, <laughs> he's been brilliant. Okay, he has been brilliant. But he's not great. I think he's excellent. You think he's excellent? Yeah. I don't think he's excellent. I've always rated him. I think when he was at Burnley, he was really good. And then Liverpool, he was unfortunate with injuries. Um, and then suddenly they had Firmino, Salah and Mane. And he's nowhere near as good as those. But he strikes me as a player that should be... He's the kind of player who should be at Spurs as Harry Kane's backup and would come in and be perfectly adequate. Um He's a top eight striker. Mm, I disagree. I think he is a Southampton striker. And he's a Southampton striker in the mould of other great Southampton players who went off other places and and actually they showed themselves as amazing. Or Ricky Lambert. Yeah, and he went back to Southampton. Mm. Uh, I just think he's, um, he's... okay. He's an okay striker who's in a purple patch. And it, but the thing is, he's such a... If you're a great striker, mm. then you wouldn't be so negatively affected by confidence. Sweeping statement, I know. Yeah, However, no, but yeah, it makes right now, yeah. he's in a purple patch and he can't stop scoring. This goal he scored at the weekend where he chipped it over the defender and then side-footed it in. Brilliant. Phenomenal goal. Would he have done that two months ago? No. no. He'd have just had a mini panic attack yeah. when he got the ball and just spadged it into Rose's yeah. That means he's not an excellent striker. That means he's not a top eight striker. You, yeah. I remember Lukaku saying that you just keep shooting. Just keep shooting. If you miss, yeah. doesn't matter. Just keep shooting because you will score two goals a game. He just was a believer that he would score two goals a game no matter what. And every time he got the ball, he would shoot because he's going to score two goals. Danny Ings is not that player. There, there is something in that, that a striker shouldn't be affected by confidence at any point. So the best... The Harry Kane's a perfect example. Harry Kane doesn't go on a no-scoring streak because he'll always score every two or three games. Yep. And he, but he doesn't get overexcited. He has his awful celebration when he does score, but he doesn't get overexcited when he does score and he doesn't get too down when it's he does. It's his job. He just does, just carries on and, and keeps it, going. Again, and the best strikers are cold like that. 100%. A game of football is 90 minutes long and if you if you have a, a terrible miss in the, fir- in the first minute, you have 89 minutes left to score goals. Yeah, Danny Ings is not that player. Yep. He, is, he is on an incredible streak, he is incredibly confident, and he's doing things that he is capable of doing. What that doesn't mean is he's capable of doing them every week, and you're not a top striker unless you do it every week. But you can he, learn, he's only, he's only 24, 25? No, he isn't. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks about 51, yeah, 52, well, I'll, 53. I will Google it, but he's a lot younger than he looks, and he's got time on his side, so I think he can actually learn. Um, to be, he's twenty-seven. Here we go. That's so. Well, that's prime time. Well, and you'd you'd say that the last two months he's been in his prime. Yeah, so, but if he's so, if he's twenty-seven, um, and he can get this sorted, then he's got three or four years ahead of him of being a top-class striker. He, he is exactly at the type of club he needs to be at because that that is the best. Uh, sorry if this sounds really negative. It's the best yeah, Southampton no. can hope for at yeah. the moment. In their current predicament, in their go for someone who's young, he develops into a, into an incredibly consistent striker. You can't get someone who's twenty seven who is consistent if you're Southampton when there are clubs yeah. no, who good point. snap yeah. them up. No, so he is exactly the right place at the right time. Do you think he should be in the England squad? No, no. and he won't be. No, there's no way he'll be in the England squad. If he's for me, he's more 
So if you have Harry Kane as your main striker, he's a better backup striker than Callum Wilson. Because if you think in the England squads recently, it's been Harry Kane and then Callum Wilson and Tammy Abraham. Now, Tammy Abraham, I think, is great and doing really well. Cool. But Callum Wilson's a very different player to those two and plays a different way to the way England play. I think Danny Ings more fits that mould. See, Callum Wilson was a, a sympathy call. He's not. Like, he's he's not the future. He he was. It was like it was like Leon Osman getting his cap. You know, it, it's yeah, like oh, a, well done. Yeah, good one. Yeah, you're actually this good. If yeah. only we had this manager ten years ago, you could yeah. dine out on that for the rest of your life and come to Wembley on FA Cup final day. And yeah. you know, there's your there's your career. Sorry, belittles <laughs> the bloke. But to to call up Danny Ings as a 27 year old when you would easily just have another winger and call Marcus Rashford a centre forward. I just I just don't think that. That that's good enough cover. I don't think it will happen. It's a step backwards. I would put him in. I'd put him in for the friendly. There's friendly. Southgate would much. rather put in a, a Green Mason Greenwood. Uh, yeah, it's true. And because um, that's the way that England yeah, team no, is that developed. Is true. I think, but I think he'd probably put in Dominic Calvert Lewin. Yeah, don't do that. But that's like he yeah, played yeah, at youth, yeah. England youth yeah. level all the way up. No, he, he yeah, scored, the, scored the winner in the under twenty one World Cup yeah. final or whatever it is. Yeah. Why wouldn't you put Calvert Lewin? Obviously, Danny Ings right now is on a better purple patch, but. What are you trying to gain by putting Danny Ings in there? Just catching him on a bit of form, which England don't have to do right now. True. Um, So Southampton beat Spurs last night 1-0, which is excellent. Um, So let's talk about Spurs for a moment. Yes. Oh my God, yes. So I think the Jose honeymoon is over. Fuck, that was quick. After he got booked yesterday for being rude to the goalkeeping coach of Southampton. But he did say in his quote afterwards, yes, I was rude to him, but he was an idiot. I was rude to an idiot. Yeah. It has all fallen apart really quickly, hasn't it? Yeah. I, I, what I want to do is I want to go back to our, our hour-long special, our Jose yes. Mourinho special, yeah. and take a few key samples and play them at the end of the season and go, was that right or not? Yeah. Because... Usually, we think that this happens to Jose Mourinho in season two, yeah. two and a half. Yeah. It's happened on month two, two and a half. Yeah. He is already a bitter, twisted bloke. And he's already um, bagging out his players. Um, and Dombele, who I really, really rate, he's come. he's been injured. And he's come out and said, oh, and Dombele's injured again this week. He seems to be injured every week. It happens all the time. Like, already, this is exactly the same as what he did with Luke Shaw. Mm. And he'd be like, oh, Luke Shaw's always injured. Oh, he's a bit weak. Oh, I don't like it. He's doing exactly the same with Ndombele. Harry Winks has not played a minute under Jose Reno. Harry Winks is brilliant and has started for England and done really well. And he's just gone, I know you're small and you play football like a Spanish player. I don't want you. That's horrible rude and dumb um (laughs) (laughs) and if you're any top four manager out there sign harry winks get that guy in because he's not getting a game um and quickly he's going to get disengaged um but i love the fact that it's all over like the honeymoon's already over he's stopped doing his little like smiley cuddles and going oh yeah I love everything and everything's brilliant he's already a miserable bastard you can't I'm not saying you can't change I don't want to be philosophical about it but Jose Mourinho can't change he is who he is and we have watched it for a decade why would anyone have believed that he could go into Spurs and be and be different it just wasn't going to happen remember the 
the conclusion was it's not what he does when he gets there, which would be we thought might be winning something. It was the way he leaves your club, and he's already already bigger than that club itself by the reactions he's getting. However, one point on that they are in sixth and one point off fifth. There's the, the, the middle point of the league, the fifth to sixteenth, is just crap. Everyone's a bit average and everyone's can beat everyone, but Spurs are sick there. They still they they can still push for fourth. There's nothing stopping them to go and they're only six points off fourth. There's, they could still get there, which would be really oh, annoying. We are we are set up for an amazing second half of this season. Because yeah. you say that they're a bit crap, right? So we, we're going to say United are a bit crap, Spurs are a bit crap, Wolves actually are quite good, Sheffield United are quite good, Arsenal a bit crap, Everton a bit crap, Southampton, I can't believe Southampton are sitting 12th right now. We're going to look at those sides. Any one of those sides can put a run together and make this actually a really good season. Yes. And I actually think all of those sides are going to be looking at this going, yes, we can write off the last few months, we might have, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, right, rejig this, yeah. we're ready for this, and let's get into the fight. This is queued up for an exceptional second half, very exciting. You're spot on, if one of those, any one of any 10 teams basically goes, I'm going to try hard the second half of the season, might actually come fifth or fourth. Yeah, or if someone gets a world-class manager like Ancelotti and, and yep. 100... And twenty-five thousand million pounds. It's not going to be Everton. It's definitely not going to be Everton. Um, we should finish up on Liverpool. Yeah, um, Liverpool. Whilst we've been on our Christmas break, have become champions of the world as well as champions of Europe. Um, and like I said at the very start, everyone's complained about the congestion, too many games. Well, they've just kept winning. They've won ugly. They've won well. Different people have scored. Bobby Firmino's decided to be the best goal scorer in the world for a couple of weeks. Our Salah will score a couple. Mane will. They've changed the team round. They've played two games in two days and complained a little bit, but not too much, as much as Pep has at Man City. And they've done really well and they've basically won the league by Christmas. So fair play to them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> No. no, no, no. Fair play. It, it, I actually really enjoyed watching Liverpool this morning. They oh, put together the most... Uh, this morning's game was the... Sheffield United. Game against Sheffield United. I think it's the most passes they've ever had in their Premier League history. Oh, really? 900 and something passes they managed in that game. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching them. Yeah. Um, however, I've, to- I've told you this, John, that I think that the best thing that will happen this season is... Uh, okay, hear me out. The VAR... Yes. Right, you know VAR. Oh, the, yes, the, the video, I've heard about The video this. assistant ref. Yeah. It's causing such chaos this yeah. year, John, yeah. that, um, that they're considering scrapping it. Yeah, they're considering going... Well, they're not going to scrap it, though. Yeah, they're, well, they're, considering no, cha- they're changing the rules. They'll change it. They're changing the rules. They're changing the basic laws of football to accommodate VAR. They're saying, yeah. oh, we shouldn't be so forensic. They're, they're saying, yeah. oh, some weeks we should just let it go. Some weeks we shouldn't. We should let that... Basically, what we're, ha- what we're seeing this season is is such inconsistency with the very nature of football itself, the infrastructure that sits behind the game that we love, that we'll get to the end of the season and go, well, does that really count? <laughs> and and I'd, I'd, I'd just like to propose that it probably doesn't count. Yeah. We can probably look at this year with an asterisk. We can probably go, yeah. okay, well, Liverpool were champions, asterisk. And the asterisk <laughs> means they were champions on a year that, you know, it didn't really count because everything was fucked. Um, yeah, but when they win by 25 points... Asterisk. I don't, 
I don't think it matters. Of course they would. We were, we were fundamentally changing the rules of football this year. It was just a test year. <laughs> just, a, just a test year. No, I, I, no. <laughs> but I do think that there will be because this will forever go down as the first year that VAR came into the football league. Going to draw a little asterisk next to Liverpool on my running sheet. <laughs> Liverpool asterisk. Asterisk. It's got an X. Asterisk. Yeah, no, that's 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 the Swedish bloke. No, Asterix Noblex. Yeah, that's French. French, Belgium. Anyway, but there's that an X kid, at the yeah. end. It's definitely an X, not an S. Asterix. <laughs> Liverpool. Um, <laughs> Champions. <laughs> Asterix. But it will, be, it will go down in history as this is the first season where VAR came in and VAR is going to get better over the next 10, 15 years. If it doesn't, we've ruined football forever. But for, VAR will get better over the next 10, 15 years. Um, and we'll fix it and just write this year off. But That's I, my no, point. No, but they're going to win by so far. That, and yeah. also, I think they're going to win. And if they get their winning momentum... And what Klopp's quietly doing that I think we're seeing at Man City they haven't done, Pop, Klopp, Pop, Klopp is quietly bringing in younger players that are looking really good. And you've got these Harvey Elliott's and Rianne Brewster's, um, one of the, the centre-back they bought from Holland, whose name I can't remember, who played a couple of games. And there's actually a bunch of 16, 17, 18-year-olds they're just going to slot straight into that team. And suddenly you go, hang on a sec, they've got a really good team for the next five years. Do you remember Van Wolfswinkel? Ricky Van Wolfswinkel yeah. went to Norwich. Do you ever think that that was like a wolf's cock? <laughs> <laughs> good change of subject <laughs> from Liverpool. Van means like son of a wolf's cock. Yeah, yeah possibly. Wolfswinkel. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think that. No. <laughs> anyway, sorry, as you were. What were you saying? Yeah, Klopp's doing great. No, that's good. <laughs> Um, do you have any side stories before we go, Jeffo? Um, I just I remember we we joked this week, John, that we probably need about three hours to get back over the Christmas period. Yeah. Um, we've not spoken about Leicester, Man City, Chelsea, Brighton. That bloke's overhead kick oh, that was insane. Um, Norwich, Norwich are doomed. Burnley are boring. Wolves are much better than I expected. Even Newcastle have been doing all right. Um, there's a lot to, to churn yeah, through. Yeah, well we'll, well, we'll be back on Wednesday. So it's Friday night now, so we'll record on Wednesday. So there'll be another show out on Thursday. And we will make a point of looking over those teams. And what oh, great, doing. okay. Because this weekend is the FA Cup weekend. And, and no, no one gives a shit. Yes, exactly. You've got written down on your side stories. Ex-Everton player Lai T is now manager of China. Yeah, did you hear about this? I did hear about this. Now, do you want me to tell you a Lai T story? Is it about how hard he is? It is about how hard he is. <laughs> you know this story? <laughs> I think I vaguely remember yeah, it. Yeah, so Lai T was a... Is he Chinese? He's Chinese. Is it actually Chinese? Yeah. I thought it was maybe Southeast Asian. Anyway, a yeah. Chinese player. Used to play for Everton. When I say used to play for Everton, didn't play very much for Everton. No. This is back in a... Um, kind of Unsworth, Gravison, Carsley era yeah. of He was signed by Moyes as like a backup as a big bloke. Yeah, um, very early on in Moyes' uh, managerial yeah. tenure. And uh, this is when Duncan Ferguson was still playing up front. And there was an interview where Duncan Ferguson was being asked, you know, what it's like being such a hard man in football. And he said to him, he goes, I'm not even the hardest man at Everton. Mm. They're like, well, who's the hardest man? He goes, Lighty. <laughs> he goes, that kid will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> Just like wow, yeah. um, which coming from Duncan Ferguson is is quite the yeah, um, quite, the, quite endorsement. the endorsement. Yeah, yeah. No, but he is now manager of China. Um, and the other side story I had is Wayne Rooney's back in England. He played his first game for Derby this morning. How did he get on? Um, he was captain. 
made him captain straight off, started the game, played the full 90 minutes, played in centre midfield and ran the show and was brilliant. Wow. Just strolled around like, I'm better than all of you and I'm really good and I'm fit and healthy and looks like a player that's too good to play for Derby in the championship. So that's good. He's done really well so far. Good on him. Oh, I did have one more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Son, Son, Son Hyung Ming. For Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a prick. I what no I you, I'm going to say you're wrong. Okay, now this is okay. Why? Why are you going to say I'm wrong? Because I he smiles when he plays football. He's the nicest is, man in football, isn't he? Well, nice. no, he smiles a lot, so yeah, that's good. Well, um, okay, maybe not a prick. I, I, yeah. I jumped in on that sleep deprivation and gin and tonic. Yeah. Um, however, there is a there is a perception that this man is the nicest man in football. Yes. Right? Yeah. Would you agree he, with he that? He smiles a lot. Would you yes. agree? Yeah, he yeah. smiles. He yeah. gives kids cuddles. Yeah. He's, yeah. You know, not yeah. that way, but yeah, you know, he's that kind of that kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got his third red card this season. He is now the most yes. red-carded player in the Premier League this yeah. year. He's got. He's still... You can't he's be... He's not that kind of player, is he? Not that kind no, of player. No no, 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 no. You can't be as good as he is without having a bit of a competitive edge. Then why hasn't everyone else as good as he has got three red cards? Because if you can play right on the edge, you're brilliant, but every so often you're going to go over. I think that f- whoever runs his marketing deserves <laughs> a job with a... With a coal company, no. <laughs> <laughs> because yes. I, I believe that the perception we have of that bloke is that he is a kind, cuddly bunny. Yeah. But actually, when he plays football, he is filthy. Yeah, but that's fine because he smiles the whole time when he's playing. He's really nice off the field. If you lose your mind a couple of times on it, that's okay. Oh, I, I just I just wanted to highlight that now because as we go into the second half of this season. I'm going to be consistently more annoyed by nicest man in football. Not, don't worry, I love him. I think he's a great player. Yeah. I'd love to give him a cuddle. Yeah. You know, he's that kind of guy. He smiles. Yeah. He's great. However, he has pulled the wall over all of our eyes. <laughs> I'm convinced that bloke is filth. Okay. <laughs> That's my last story of the day. <laughs> Good. On that point, we should go. Um, do you have anything before we leave? No, it's just been bloody great to be back in the shed again. It's, it's, it's basically therapy, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a hard three weeks of not being able to talk about football, and now it, I feel much better. 100%. Yes. Um, and we'll hopefully have Rog back next week. Um, but thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we will be back next week, maybe with Rog, maybe not. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, um, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And sorry for all teams we didn't mention, but we'll get to them next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye. See ya.